You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat, grab a spot. Uh, here in that song, New Wine, uh, kind of as I was standing there worshiping with you guys, kind of brought me back to um, about three, I guess it was three or four months ago, um, when I had first come back to Texas um, after staying at home for a month um, after my dad had died. And we had a staff gathering together. Um, I think it's, we call it Engage, and we do it, um, we do it like once a month. And they sang that song. And I just remember sitting um, in the living room, which is a, in our, at our Denton campus right here, just a, across the way, um, and just like crying my guts out to that stinking song. Uh, because for the longest time, uh, since that, that song had come out, I would sing, you know, like, in the crushing, in the pressing, God, you're making new wine. And I would sing that, and it was kind of like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. I like some new wine. I mean, you know, new life, new power, count me in. Um, but it wasn't until June 25th, 2018, that like, man, in the crushing, like in the pressing, God is making new wine. And the difference, hear me, of singing those words, and, or even just like knowing these things about God, Versus down into the marrow of your bones, believing those words and knowing God. The difference between knowing about him and knowing about truth versus knowing him and experiencing Truth, And it's been in this weird season of my life that like things have just become really, really raw and really, really honest. And so like my hope tonight is just to be really, really raw and like really, really honest about this difference for us of knowing about God and knowing these truths versus knowing God and, and knowing these truths. Um, so as you guys know, I, I, I'm, I fly back and forth between Georgia um, and Texas. I've been trying to go back about once a month um, just to see my family, my friends, girlfriend, the whole deal. And um, every single time you get on a plane, right, they have to run through their like safety instructions. You know, everyone still has their headphones and no one's listening. Um, and, and, they, and our sweet lady, sweet man, you know, get up there and they, and they show you how to put a, a seatbelt together and you're like, no crap, I am, I am 24, we can do this. Um, and then they talk about that, you know, and just in case the, uh, the airplane experiences an, an unregular or irregular change in uh, air cabin pressure, um, there will be some oxygen mask that will, do, you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, and the oxygen mask will fall down. And then I always say this one line, right? Please be sure to put on your own mask first before helping someone else, right? Has everyone, are you tracking with me? Isn't it interesting that, they, that even the airlines have this concept, this idea that we have to have our own source of life before we can be an asset or be an assistance or be a help to giving someone else the source of life. Does that make sense? And so I start there, I say that today because I guess the question I would ask is that how many of us are truly committed to having our life source, our oxygen mask, if you will, put on 
before we begin to focus and begin to look at trying to put this life source on for someone else. So think about this in, in our Christian context, right? Like, like how many times have you sat here and listened to God's word be taught by me or Andre or Toby or, or maybe there's a, another church you've been to, someone you listen to online and you hear it and you go, man, I wish my brother would have heard that. Like I so definitely wish that my mom, like I'm telling you, my mom, like please, like she needs that word. Or, or man, my roommate, I'm telling you, if they, they, they talked about cleanliness, they need to do this to my roommate ASAP. And it's, it's this natural inclination in us to begin to push the life source, right? Push the truth on someone else. It's not that we don't think we need it. It's just kind of, we just kind of brush by it. And so my hope tonight is that in the midst of the messes that we may be in, it's, I know it's the post midterm thing, everyone's tired, it's cold outside, that you and I would not just brush over the story we're gonna walk through tonight, but that tonight's word from the scriptures would be like that breath of oxygen after you have held your breath in the swimming pool and you come out (sighs) that it is refreshing to your stale lungs because the past four months of my life friends I have found out that if I do not put the stinking mask on first I am a terrible help to others and so I want for us to get into the scriptures tonight get into God's word tonight and, and breathe in this oxygen of this person named Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're gonna be in a familiar story, um, John chapter 13. Um, honestly, one of, my, um, one of my favorite passages of scripture because this gives us such a good idea about who the person of Jesus is um, and what he's like. So John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, if you wanna flip there with me, if not, there'll be some of these verses will be on the screen, not all of them because um, I'm gonna be honest, as I was like wrestling with this, the message has changed um, because God's been like messing with me a little bit. So um, John chapter 13, um, and just to give you a roadmap of where we're going tonight, and then we'll get into it, I promise. John 13, um, this is the roadmap. We are going to look at the story And then after we look through the story, we're gonna get a couple principles. And then from those principles, I'm gonna give us some steps because here's my promise to you guys. I always want for your Tuesday morning to look different because you were here on a Monday night. A Christianity that doesn't change your life is a a waste of time. A Christianity that doesn't make your Tuesday morning look different is a waste of a Monday night. I'm not just here to make us feel better. I want us to be people who are different, who are changed. So John chapter 13, and now let's get going. This is God's word for you tonight. John chapter 13, 13, verse one, God's word says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew, everyone say knew, knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse three, Jesus knew, everyone say knew, knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse four and verse five, this and we'll stop. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. So in these six verses, what's going on here? So let, let's, let's walk through the story, right? Story, principle, steps. First thing with the story. So we te- well, the details tell us that um, it's around the Passover festival. 
Um, so what's the Passover festival? Cool, I'm so glad you asked. Um, this was a, since we're not all Jewish here, um, maybe some of us may be, um, this was the festival that all Jews celebrated because it was a celebration of what God had done in the past. If you've been tracking with Cross Timbers as a whole, we've been going through our 40 series in which we've been tracking with Moses and the Israelites as God has freed them from the captivity of Pharaoh. So this is a, a Jewish celebration of God's redemptive and freeing time of the Israelites getting out of the condemnation of Pharaoh, right? And so now the Jewish people find themselves once again under the suppression of Rome. And so every Passover festival is a time of political fervor. Like I want you to think about just like the tension that would be in the air. Maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the time that God will rescue us once again. Maybe this will be the Passover festival in which we'll get out of this tyranny that is Rome, right? I mean, I mean, think about it this way. This past Tuesday, we had elections in the state of Texas. Does anyone, did anyone know there was an election going on? Um, so, well, obviously, we won't get political. That's not my game. Um, but, like, obviously, it was, like, very, it was national news. Like, like Beto O'Rourke or, or Ted Cruz or even in my own, in the state of Georgia, it was also a national deal. It was Stacey Abrams or Brian Kemp. And did you guys notice on Tuesday the political tension? If you were on Twitter, like, it's hype on there. Like, like people, I mean, and it, and it was a really hard, I mean, it was a hard thing for lots of people in lots of different ways, but do you, did you feel the tension of it? In the same way, that's what's happening in this text. This, this is political tension, this fervor. So, so there's a lot going on. People are excited. The Jewish people are energized. And, and then we read the next thing was we said that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. So Jesus has been on mission from Father God, Right? To, to save eternity, he knows that the hour is coming, that it is time for him to die on our behalf. So it's like we're getting towards the end. This is a, a crescendo moment. It's like we're building to the climax. And then that second Jesus knew, also Bible study tip, whenever it repeats things, look for it. So Jesus knew in verse one, Jesus knew in verse three, that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So look at this, think with me. Do you catch it? There is political tension. Is this the year that God's gonna set us free? The Jews are, are excited, they're anticipating something new, right? And, and then Jesus, he knows that his time has come, that it's, it's about that time for everything to change, for me to flip the world upside down. And then that last thing in verse three, look at it, that the Father had put all things under his power that Jesus literally had all the power. All things have been put under the authority of Jesus Christ. Political fervor and incredible excitement and intensity. It's about time for me to go and all things have been put under my power. The story is building and, and if you're anything like me, you're expecting there's gonna be this giant moment that Jesus is gonna come on the scene with fireworks. I'm the son of God. I've come to save everything. You're right, this is the Passover. I'm the one. But what does Jesus do? He gets up from the table, dresses like a slave, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Not the political hero that we expect, but the loving, self-sacrificial, serving God that we need. That in a time of political unrest, 
Bob Goff said this on Twitter this past week. Everybody has an opinion, has an opinion, be an example. That Jesus doesn't just come with an opinion or with fireworks or a climax or a crescendo, but rather Jesus takes off his outer garments and grabs a towel and he puts it on and Nathan, you can come on. And what you see here is this would be the attire or the garb of the lowest slave. And, and, and just imagine they're, they're, they're eating dinner and, and all these things are true and, and Jesus gets down at his disciples' feet, each and every one of them, and he begins to wash. <laughs> is that cold or tickle? Okay, good, good, good. So the disciples were also laughing, just in case you were curious. And so Jesus is doing this incredibly undignified act that this was to want one. Slavery is never okay, by the way, just in case y'all are curious. And, and so this was the lowest of low. This was the most undignified, embarrassing task that anyone would do. I want you to imagine with me right now, even close your eyes and think about this. In, in ancient Jerusalem, with some really ragtag chacos, no sewage system, no Dallas trash, and just dusty roads. Sewage running through the middle, no cars, no UNT bus, no Uber. in the filth of these feet. And Jesus, at a time of political excitement, knowing that his hour had come, knowing that the power of God had been given to him, gets up from the table to wash his feet. Nathan, you're good, thank you. Do you see how wild our Jesus is? that he did not come to rule, even though he will, but he came to serve. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that strength is for service, not status. That true power is found by going down to serve, not by going up in status. So what do we see from this story is that Jesus audaciously sacrificially, embarrassingly serves. That our God got down to the feet of men to wash them clean. And so yes, there was this like, this normal, like this, this was something that had to happen. And so there, there, there is a literal physical washing that took place here but there is very much so a spiritual reality that Jesus is alluding to here as well. That he knows that, that his hour has come, that he is soon to die, that Jesus is going to wash the sins away of the world. What did John the Baptist say about Jesus when he first saw him? Behold, the Lamb of God who's come to wash away the sins of the world. That there's a spiritual reality getting down here. So that's our story. 
So what are some principles that we can take away from this that can, that can help change our, change our lives, change our Tuesday morning? Um, if we go back to, to verse one and verse three, we, I, I had you guys say it out loud with me that, that Jesus knew that the hour had come and Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And so here's the first principle, and I really hope you hear this, is that knowing is never enough. Knowing is never enough. That if Jesus would have just known these things and then never done anything with it, it would have been a waste. That if he would have never gotten up out of his seat and washed his disciples' feet, then we would have, he would have missed the boat. He would have missed the point. And in the same way, if you just know stuff about God but aren't doing anything to love and serve people, it's a waste to know this book. If this book does not cause you to love people more, you're reading it wrong. That lots of times in culture, this is used as a weapon to cut and to hurt when it is meant to be an instrument to heal. Knowing is never enough. I even think about, since we're talking about airplanes a lot tonight, um, it'd be like me um, looking on Expedia for days. I'm gonna find the perfect flight to get back to Atlanta so I can see my mom. Like, like let's, let's check the deals. Let's look on orbits. Let's, and we get it booked, right? And then I finally make my way to DFW and I'm like, I'm like studying how much time I need to get there, how much the TSA line gonna be. Like here's historically how much the TSA line is, but like maybe it'll be a little different. It's a Thursday, so a lot of people travel on Thursdays. Like let's get through the security line and make sure I have my um, iPad and my, my laptop in a separate case. Like, I've done all the research. We're good. And then I get to the gate, and I'm looking, and I'm like, okay, make sure my times are right. I've got my seat assigned already. Um, and then, you know, the, the people for Delta are sitting there, and they're, they're like letting, they're beginning to say, okay, like, you guys are welcome to come on the plane. But I just sit there, and the plane takes off. In the same way, when you and I obsess over the details, when we just know a lot about it, but we never get on the plane, we miss the plane. That you were meant not to stay in the, on the ground looking at details, being obsessed with knowledge if it does not promote you to love. Galatians 5, 6 says this, Paul says this, he goes, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Galatians 5, 6. Or maybe um, if you're, if you're a, um, a 1 Corinthians guy, 1 um, Corinthians 8.1 says this, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That knowing is not enough. And can I tell you this, friends, hear me. That knowledge should always move you to affection, and your affection should always move you to action. If your knowledge doesn't move you to love, you're wasting your time. Like, can, can I just like, can I pull this card really fast? I work at a church and I'm in seminary. I literally spend time around Christian stuff, reading the Bible, like learning lots about it. And here's the horrifying thing. I can read this book every day for a year and get worse. If knowledge just puffs up versus love building up, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Jesus exemplifies it in John 13, that knowing is not enough, but his knowing propels him to do something. So I'll ask you the question, are you more focused on knowing something about Jesus 
or actually knowing him. Knowing the flight details or getting on the plane. Because knowledge is not enough. And I, and I also, I alluded to it earlier as Nathan was sitting here and um, as we were getting to, getting to wash his feet, that this was a symbolic act. Um, that Yes, he washed their feet physically, but it is also a, a symbol of the spiritual cleansing that Jesus is going to provide for humanity. And so I think there's two types of spiritual cleansing that I think we can take away from this. Um, whenever we trust in Christ as our Savior, we are brought into union with God. Everyone say union. We are brought into union with God that, that Jesus Christ is our perfect sacrifice. And he, he takes our sin and he, and he takes it to the grave. And then Jesus keeps our sin in the grave and he gets up. Death, burial, resurrection, new life, new power, incredible. And there are some of you who need to trust in Christ for real to have your sin removed. That there is a union that needs to take place between you and God, right? And, and Jesus is exemplifying this as he washes his disciples' feet, that their sins are being washed away. Um, but maybe for some of you, I think the second thing would be this idea of communion. Everyone say communion. Well, we're actually gonna have communion later, like eating the bread, eating the bread and the grape juice. But what I mean here is more so of a, the fellowship that takes place between people who are already in union with God. So maybe you have accepted Christ. Maybe you've, you've trusted him for real. You've been baptized and, and you're following Jesus. Here's the reality is that your sin still has consequence. And your sin, even though you may have perfect union with God, your communion with God can be broken. Does that make sense? That the union of God will never go away. The gift of God cannot be retracted. You have union with him. But as you and I walk, as you and I go through our days, much like the men who walked through those dirty, nasty streets in Jerusalem, man, we pick up some trash. And can I tell you something, guys? I am two years out of undergrad. I'm in seminary. I work at a church. I pick up some trash. And I need to sit in this seat before I can kneel in that seat to be washed clean. Because I'm gonna, like I told you guys, I, I kind of had to change this message. Is that as I was reading, as I was first reading through this, I was like, perfect. This is gonna be a great message about how Cross Timbers College is gonna be a group of people who washes the feet of our society. That we're gonna be a people who 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 who, who takes off our, our clothing of um, of status or of power, and we're gonna get on our knees and we're going to wash society. We're gonna have less opinions and we're gonna wash more feet. And even as I was in the midst of that. God just like shouted to me in my study, Cole, let me wash your feet. Cole, let, let me make you clean. Cole, let me serve you. Cole, let me love you. Cole, let me, let, let me wash my hands over your feet. Let me make you clean, Cole. Jesus was reminding me that I need to put my oxygen mask on first before I could give it to someone else. And so my hope tonight is that you and I, before we would be willing to kneel, we would be willing to sit. 
because we do not just have a God who sits in heaven expecting you to do X, Y, and Z. We have a God who left his throne to kneel before you and I and to make us clean. He didn't just get up from dinner. He left his throne in heaven in order that you and I would be clean. Because I know a lot of you and you're incredible followers of Jesus and you want to make a difference at TW, you want to make a difference at UNT, you want to make a difference in Denton. But I'm telling you, I promise, you'll never be able to do it unless you sit before you kneel. Unless you let Jesus minister to you first. And hear me, he wants to. Like, like we don't just serve a God who's there and passive and is uninterested and disengaged or is dormant. We serve a God who is active, intimate, personal, in the mix, in the mess, on his knees, washing mud off of our feet. That is the God that we serve. Show me any other religion that's like that. Psst. Show me any other worldview that's like that. It's better. So there are the principles, and now let's get to the steps. We'll see in verse 6 that Jesus came when he was washing the disciples' feet, and he came to Simon Peter, who always had a loud mouth, and he said to him, Lord... Are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash my feet, unless, you, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. That Peter, like me, and most likely like you, he resisted. And so my step for us, the step that I'm going to wake up tomorrow is I need to stop resisting and start resting. Stop resisting and start resting. I don't, Jesus does not need any more superheroes. I ain't got a cape. But what he does have is a son and a daughter who's been empowered by the Holy Spirit but needs to sit in the presence and let Jesus minister to me. Let Jesus minister to you. When was the last time you experienced God for real? Not showed up at CT nights, not went to church, not went to XYZ ministry, experienced God for yourself. Because if we try to minister from a place of unrest, we will be bad servants. May we be a people who sit before we kneel. And then once we do that, friends, the words of Jesus in verse 13 says, you call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you. Set an example for that which you should, set an example for that which you should, I, what the heck? Be freed. Verse 15, I also should wash one another's feet. I have set you, set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And lastly, this is basically, go listen to the last message on the podcast that, that I did. Like, be the one who serves. That once you sit, kneel. That once you have been ministered to by Jesus, then 
stinking wash the feet of society because I'm telling you this, that if in order for us to make a difference, we have to be different. And I don't know any, I'm not saying physically wash people's feet, people's feet, but I'm saying that I don't see a lot of people washing feet. I see a lot of people sharing opinions, Christians and non-Christians included. And so would I take on the example of Jesus and get out of my seat and get on my knees and wash their feet? Van, you guys can go ahead and come back up. So the story we've walked through tonight, John 13, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, full of political fervor, knowing that it was time and knowing that he had all power. He did not come with fireworks and a show, but he got down on his knees and he served. And for you and I, college students and young adults, in 2018, we can know that knowing is not enough. And that Jesus so desperately wants to wash you clean, whether or not you need to have union restored with God or if you need to have that communion restored to God, that service is the way of Jesus. And that tomorrow morning I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna ask God, Lord, would you help me to stop resisting you and start resting in you? God, would you help me to stop resisting you and start resting in you? And then from that place, friends, we serve. Like seriously, if you want to make much of your life and make much of your college experience, serve. Not even in the, within these walls. If you do that here, great. Serve. Jesus came not to share more opinions about life. Jesus came to be an example and change everything. Father, I thank you that on that day, you got up from the table to wash those grimy, gross feet. But Lord, even more so, I thank you that you got up from your throne in heaven in order to come to earth to wipe my nasty, gross, repetitive sin away in order that I would know you. Lord, it's the greatest price and you paid it. We're so grateful, Jesus. We pray that in your name, amen. And so with that, uh, tonight we have a special um, a special privilege, uh, we're going to see one of our friends who has trusted in Christ, that has made that union with God a reality. Um, and, and she wants to make that public. And um, we call it baptism. It's a way for, it's a symbol of, of God being, being buried with God in his death, right? And then also being joined with him in his resurrection, that we are alive, that we've been washed clean, that our sin is done away with. Um, so, our friend who's being baptized now is Lacey. So Lacey, come on. And Alyssa, will you come up here too, please? Um, and so like we've done before, like with Kelly, um, Lacey, we're just like so pumped for you. And this is so, so incredible. We just wanted to give you an opportunity in front of um, our family and our community for you to like share a little bit about your story to hopefully encourage some people and for you just to talk about your faith in Jesus. So Lacey, take it away. Hey, hi guys, I'm Lacey. Um... Okay, so I've always been a follower of God, 
Um, but a couple years ago, I was raped, and I blamed God. I turned away from him completely. Um, I closed my heart off to him and just basically stopped believing. Um, and I was in a really dark place. I struggled a lot trying to find my own purpose. And then I started going to counseling, and my counselor was this sweet old lady who kind of just started dropping a little, like, note here and there about God, and it slowly started opening my heart a little bit more, and um, I realized that I needed more direction in my life, that where I was going was not where I needed to be, and so I started to pray more, and I started to notice that I do have a purpose. Um, I started coming to Cross Timbers a few months ago and immediately realized that this is where I needed to be. Um, I felt the power of God here, God here, and I definitely felt him through worship. I felt him the most during that. Um, I felt his connection and that he has so much love for everybody here. I want to welcome God into my heart completely. Since coming here, I've realized that no matter how much I turn away from him, that he is still there with open, welcome arms and that he is there for everybody. I actually understand God's plan for me now, and I'm so ready to spread his love and understanding. I want to reach out to others who struggle with their relationship with God and show them that no matter what we've been through in the past, God will always be there for us, and he is here, and he is our biggest supporter. I'm so thankful for being able to share this with everyone here. I wouldn't want to take this next step anywhere else but here at Cross Timbers. <laughs> so good. Thanks, Lacey. Um, so one thing we do at Cross Timbers isn't like a creepy, weird thing. Um, we kind of just like reach out our hand just as like a symbol of like support and care. And so we're going to pray over Lacey as she takes this step. Um, so if you guys would just uh, join me as we pray. Father God, thank you for Lacey and for her trust in you. God, thank you that you have opened her eyes to the beauty of the gospel. Um, and God, that all of those awful things, God, those terrible things, Father, that you, um, that you are above it all, God, and that you turn those things to good. So God, I thank you for Lacey's heart and for her willingness to stand before these people and tell her story. And God, knowing that this is just the beginning, God, this is just the beginning of more freedom, just the beginning of more joy, just the beginning of more purpose. So we just, uh, we, we praise you for Lacey's life um, and for this new life she has in Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.